Yeah. You, you, you know, Dr. Smith, two things that I'm, I'm really trying to work on. And I wished I had learned this when I was an educator in the classroom, but I'm learning as a counselor is that two things, people are bringing you their best. Yes, they really are. And, and I'm learning that even with kids. Cause sometimes I take that counselor hat off and I put that teacher hat <laughs> on and I get upset. I'm like, wait a minute, they're really bringing you their best. And I think yes. learning that helps us to kind of say, well, wait a minute, it bring, it takes, it keeps me in a position to help instead of fighting against. Welcome to Through the Eyes of Trauma, an inner ear agency production, where we engage in discussions regarding the impact that childhood trauma has on education, life, and living. This podcast seeks to help listeners realize the widespread impact of trauma, recognize how it is impacting the students, adults, and families, respond in a way that facilitates healing, and to actively resist re-traumatization. Join us as we tackle the hard conversations, but give tools and strategies to help you cope and begin your journey towards regulation by healing first and educating always. To receive professional development, consulting, and childhood trauma intervention services, please visit us at innerearagency.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-E-A-R-A-G-E-N-C-Y.com. Let's get into the conversation. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Through the Eyes of Trauma, the podcast that explores the complexities of trauma and how we can heal from it. I'm your host, Dr. Smith, and today we have a crucial topic to discuss. Our topic for today is building resilience in students. As we all know, students face a myriad of challenges in today's world, many of which have a significant impact on their mental health. So the essential question today is, how can we identify resilience factors that mitigate the impact of trauma on our students? To shed light on this important topic, we have a special guest with us today, David Jones, who is a school counselor with extensive expertise in building resilience in children. Welcome, Mr. Jones. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you so much for being here. And before we start, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, I'm David Jones. I'm a native of uh, Marion, Indiana. I've been in Dallas for approximately 17 years now. Um, uh, since then, I've been in education, um, 11 years in the classroom and seven years in uh, school counseling. And I'm just about ready to finish up my uh, LPC uh, lic licensure. So hopefully December, January, I'll be done with, be finished with that. Um, and my passion is working with kids. I've, I've probably been working with kids, youth, uh, probably about 30 years, maybe, and wow. in various areas of, uh, uh, of course, education, uh, church, juvenile detention centers, uh, youth leadership programs and stuff. So that's just my passion working with young people. So like I said, you have extensive experience working with, with children and with students who are in a situation to where they need resilience, right? They need this resilience built up in them just because of the things that they've experienced and things that they've been exposed to. Mm -hmm. So real quick, I want to get into some data. According to recent studies, the prevalence of mental health issues among students is on the rise. The pressures of academic performance, social dynamics, and external stressors can take a toll on their well-being. 
However, building resilience in students can help them cope effectively with these challenges and bounce back from adversity. Mm -hmm. And I know, especially with us coming out of the pandemic era, mm -hmm. right, there's a lot of academic pressure for those who, you know, we talked about earlier before we got on for those who didn't necessarily have the foundational, um, you know, things that they needed academically. And so now they're put in a situation where they've moved up, but they're not ready to be in those right. positions. And so we have to understand that they have those academic pressures, but they also have just social pressures, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They're just being alive and being here in the world is, is mm -hmm. putting on them. And so talking about like the prevalence of mental health issues because of those things, how do we help our children to bounce back from these adversities? How do we give them the, those experiences of resilience to make sure that they come out on the other side and that they have better outcomes than if we weren't there? Like if they didn't have the close proximity to us. You know, I, I think a, a very critical piece to, to building resilience in children, period, is relationships. I think that is mm -hmm. the first and foremost. And I, and I mean that in two ways, um, in a sense that building relationships with them, yes, of course, that uh, being someone who, who has the profession of helping students build resilience, it's, it's critical that I have a, a a real good rapport with students so that they can trust me and the process. Um, but I also speak of re relationships as well as because I can't do it alone. Mm -hmm. And so they need other critical people in their lives that will help them as well. So for example, uh, their relationship with their parents, with their peers, their, their teachers, also even like siblings, like being able to uh, teach them that those are vital as well. Um, and helping them be able to cope and deal with, with, uh, with, with the stresses of life. That's true. That's key. Like you said, having that strong support system um, is key and it's essential for them to have people that they can trust and confide in, like their parents, uh, their teachers and their counselors. But we have to realize and, and let parents understand that resilience is not a fixed trait, right? It's something that has to be nurtured. It's something yes. that has to be developed in students. Mm -hmm. And we would love for the parents to be the ones to do that before they mm -hmm. come to us at school, right? But that's not always the case. And so then sometimes our number is called. And so we have to step up and we have to be that individual, that support system for students to build resilience in them. And when we do that, we not only have to have the tools and the strategies ourselves, but how do we get parents to understand that we're trying to partner with you? Like the things that we're saying with your, with your, to your child or the, and the things that we're doing with your child is trying to give them a sense of resilience and not necessarily blaming you for them not having it. As you were speaking, I, was, I'm, I'm, I think about how sometimes that is part of the challenge because, mm -hmm. and it's not that, parents or, or poor parents or anything, sometimes they don't know. Just like, just like me as, as a parent, I made mistakes. And so it is, it's, it is like when I'm talking about the relationships, um, it's, that is one of the critical relationships that I look at. How are they getting along with their parents? Do, mm -hmm. You know, is the parent part of, you know, the trauma, the ongoing trauma or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then how do I partner with the parent and build a, good relationship with them and rapport with them so that I can be that go between between the parent and the student to be able to teach them as well. Mm -hmm. These are some things you could do with your child and and not so much say, hey, this, this is the reason why they're doing it. You know, you don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, let it be a teachable moment for both parent and the student and to help uh, reinforce that relationship between them as well. 
And so I like how you were talking about how sometimes parents are the reason for the students needing to have resilience, right? Mm -hmm. And we understand that parents sometimes unknowingly um, let children or expose children to experiences that cause them trauma, right? Because trauma is not necessarily an event, but how the child experienced that event. And so sometimes just a parent's daily life or daily living or what they know to be living because of the experiences that they had as children becomes traumatic for their child. Mm -hmm. Right. And so how can um, can you share some insights on how educators and parents can identify resilience factors that can mitigate the impact of trauma on students? Like when students have experienced trauma, how can we um, identify resilience factors that that are needed in students? Well, I I think to us, like maybe assessing the student, like where they are, I think, Mm -hmm. um, how are they responding to the trauma and where are they lacking? And then from there, when we find the area that they're, that they may be lacking, if it's, if it's relationships with peers, if it's relationships with teachers, how do we begin to teach them the skills to be able to, um, to be able to associate with, with those individuals and have meaningful relationships with them? Very true. Very true. I t- totally uh, agree with that. And and I also think that it's clear, right, that creating a nurturing environment is essential, yes. essential for fostering resilience in students. Um, but where do we start with that? Right. Building resilience, either, although it starts with creating a safe space where students feel comfortable, you know, they feel like they can express themselves, their thoughts and their emotions. Mm-hmm. It's also crucial to teach them those positive coping strategies like mindfulness and deep breathing to manage their stress. Um, how can we encourage them to set realistic goals when it comes to learning from their failures? Because, of course, we give them those things like do, do some deep breathing journal. But mm-hmm. how can we set, help them to set realistic goals to learn from their failures and celebrate their successes so that they can build, boost their self-esteem and build that resilience when they come across um, times when they're just not meeting the goal, you know, meeting the targets that they set for themselves, or even they feel like they're in a situation where, of course, the teachers or parents are providing a, a nurturing environment, right? Mm-hmm. But they still feel like they are less than and they feel like failures in whatever they're trying to accomplish. How can you help them to set realistic goals yeah. to build resilience? Yeah, I, I think one is, is when they do fail is number one, teach them that's, that's just a part of life. And the failure oh, yeah. that you experience is not necessarily a negative label. It's just a learning. It's a process. It's a stepping stone. And so from there, if if a student is still failing, let's say it's too much for their um, for them to kind of to understand that failure is a part of the process, then you can mm-hmm. scale back. You know what I'm saying? Well, let's set a different goal. Um, you know what I mean? It's just. I guess just since essentially just making it a teachable moment because we as adults, we I should say we as adults, as I as an adult do it too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, no, I do it too. <laughs> you know, you just gotta you gotta back up and say, well, wait a minute, um, and kind of even think through, even think through the, you know, I I guess I keep saying fair, think through the fair and say, well, what happened? But why mm-hmm. why is why is this goal not achievable? Is it because the student isn't trying enough, or is it because they don't have enough? Uh, knowledge to be able to accomplish to go whatever it is, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is 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 walk through that process with the student. Mm-hmm. Don't try to go in and solve it for them, but let it be a teachable moment. Um, collaborate with the student and being able to figure out why is this goal not accomplished, and let's kind of move forward. But also at the same time, being mindful to push them 
where they're not being pushed enough, but also making sure that they're not going, they're not setting goals to where they're not going to be able to achieve them. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? I guess. Yes. And, and I have an example of that. I don't know. So when we worked together many, many years ago, there was a time I came into your class. I don't know if you remember this. I came into your classroom and at the time you were teaching and you had passed either passed back some tests or the students had just found out their grades on something. And there was a student who was clearly a student who struggled academically. Right. And so although there's a set a set standard from the state or from, you know, the campus, mm-hmm. he met a standard that you had for him. But not the standard that looks like, you know, everybody else's. And so he was looking really down. And and I came to your classroom and you were like, hey, meet me in the hallway to him. Mm -hmm. And you took him in the hallway and you was like, it's cool. Like, don't worry about that. Like, Mm -hmm. I knew that you were going to get this and you did what I And his demeanor immediately Mm -hmm. changed. Mm -hmm. You, You set him to the side and you gave him to me. You gave him a sense of, or an experience of mastery. No, he didn't master it, like getting a hundred what the state mm-hmm. says he should have gotten, right? Or mm-hmm. what the, yes. the grade was. But whatever goal you set for him, mm-hmm. he had met that. And yeah. so you gave him, to me, an experience of resilience. Like I have my mm-hmm. own level yes. of excellence. I met my own standard of excellence and mastery. And that immediately changed his demeanor and his self-esteem. And he pet back up, you know, he went back into the classroom. But I was like, Wow. Like just Mm -hmm. you giving him that confidence, Mm -hmm. you know, and saying that he met the goal that you had established for him did wonders for them. And I think people fail to realize that children only gain resilience by us giving them an experience of resilience. Mm, That's good. And calling it out to them. Right. Because they don't you know, children don't really know what resilience is until you give them that experience. And the more experiences of resilience that you give a person or give a child, the more that they don't think about those traumatic experiences that they've had. Right. Right. And so I think it's all about pouring into students and pouring into kids. Like you said, those teachable moments, Mm -hmm. you know, to let them know, like, this is not the end. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what's wrong with a lot of kids in today's world because they don't have those coping skills or they don't have those experiences of mastery or those experiences of, of achieving their own level of excellence. Right. And I think it's up to us to give them that. Yes. Absolutely. Those experiences. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So can you describe for our listeners some common signs or indicators that a student may be struggling with low resilience and how do you identify, identify that in your role as a school counselor? Yeah. Or um, even parents, if how would they be able to identify? Mm-hmm. You, you know, I, I look at how, how are they responding to life? You know, mm-hmm. um, for example, relationships. How are they responding to their peers, their teachers, their parents? Um, how are they re- like we're just talking about how they responding to failure? Simple mm-hmm. things like if they're playing soccer or basketball, you know, Another thing, like even in guidance lessons, I, I see kids who, who are struggling because they can't draw like other students. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. that's something going on there. And so when you see a child who is probably not responding to, I should say, a stressful situation in an appropriate, healthy way, then there's probably something going on uh, mm-hmm. there. And I, and I think and how to identify that is, I, I mean, you can identify it, but then getting the getting the child in getting the parents permission or talking to them and say, Hey, and I really like to start with, what are you thinking? What are you mm-hmm. thinking about what's creating this behavior, this emotional response? And then we begin to build from there to see what next steps could be taken. That's awesome. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about, um, 
a quote I saw that said uh, a, a quote unquote bad child mm-hmm. is a child with unmet needs and, mm-hmm. and broken circles. And so I think back to even just those indicators when you're a teacher, when you're in a classroom, if you have a student who just shows up angry and mad all day, every day, you should understand that there is something wrong, right? Absolutely. There is there is trauma there because children are generally happy people. Like they don't just come to school to, to mess up your day or to act out, to be mm-hmm. upset or whatever. They are responding to something, but you just don't know what it is, right? And so our job as educators or even as parents is to kind of do the work where we ask those questions or we're trying to figure out like what is going on with them? Why are they acting this way? What have they experienced to make them behave this way? And mm-hmm. then we recognize it. Then we give them those experiences to kind of combat what they've experienced, if that makes sense. Right. And so a lot of times I try to look at at children, at their behavior Mm -hmm. as a response and say, what are they trying to tell me? Because it's something they're trying to communicate to me, but I can't, you know, I'm not understanding in the way that they're behaving. And so I start asking questions. I start trying to to find clues and -hmm. things like that. But when that happens, I have to figure out, like, what intervention can I give them or what strategy can I give them to kind of deal with this and and kind of figure out what's going on with them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so as a school counselor, what strategies or interventions have you found most effective in helping students to kind of develop and strengthen their resilience, especially if they've been exposed to trauma? Mm -hmm. You know, I I, and not and I'm 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 not like a, a professional and cognitive behavior, anything like that along. But I, I do know a little bit about the process. And I like the process, how there are triggers, there are mm-hmm. thoughts, there's emotions and physiological, res- physiological response and behaviors. And so for me, that's the one of the first things I ask my students and even adults, if I'm counseling, what, what's going through your mind when you're doing this? Because I feel like if I can get to the thinking, I can yeah. understand the behavior. I may not agree with it, but I can understand it. But it gives you and me a common ground to, un- to see this is why you're doing it, but it's not working for you. So let's try some different ways of learning and thinking because we learn from trauma. Mm-hmm. The problem is the learning that we get from it does not work for us. And so mm-hmm. to really begin to build the resilience. We try to identify what is the behavior or the thought that we have to unlearn. What is it that we need to kind of speak truth to and be able to change? And then from there, reframing the narrative, absolutely reframe, reframe that whole event as much as possible. And and it, and it's a challenge for, it's easy for me. It's easier for me to get adults to do it, but I'm talking about with kids, it really takes Mm -hmm. them a little time because that process happens so fast that trigger the thinking all the way to the behavior. Like you're saying, they're just coming angry. Well, there's Mm -hmm. something behind it. And I try to teach my kids, Hey, there's something behind what you're doing. I understand why you're doing it. We understand this, but we realize it's not working. So let's collaborate. Let's work together and let's kind of see what we can do to kind of give give you a different uh, outcome to what you're responding to. Absolutely. And I think when you give them that language, mm-hmm. it helps them to be able to identify when they feel that way. Yep. So once they Absolutely. feel, you know, you've given them the language, they understand that, oh, mm-hmm. you're behaving this way because of this that you experienced. Mm-hmm. Now they can kind of talk you through it or, or talk themselves actually through it. And it helps them to do a lot of self-regulating, you know, yes. when they when they they have those big emotions. But a lot of times 
it takes you to talk them through it and then be able to call them call that out in them. Mm-hmm. So I had a student who I know they've experienced a lot of um um death in their family. They experienced a lot of death and a lot of abandonment, you mm-hmm. know, from just people moving them from place to place because they have yeah. things to do. Not necessarily trying to abandon, but the child felt abandoned, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we had a teacher who would put a student into the hallway just because they were acting up in yeah. class mm-hmm. and so they put them in a the hallway just so that they can continue the lesson or the, so that the mm-hmm. learning environment wasn't disrupted. That made the child feel abandoned. And so that immediately set them off and they're in the hallway tearing up stuff going off. Mm-hmm. And so when I would see that, I would go and get the student and say, you're feeling abandoned right now, mm-hmm. you know, because of what happens. But you realize this is not the same thing. Like you are disrupting the classroom. And so in, in order for the classroom to the, your classmates to continue learning, she had to place you in the hallway just so that you can get a break. Right. This is really for you. You know, mm-hmm. she's giving you an opportunity to break. Now, if you don't like sitting in the hallway for your break, for your calm down period, ask for a buddy classroom to go to. Try to give them the language. So now yeah. when that happens, they don't feel yeah. abandoned. They know, they Absolutely. understand I'm yeah. out here for a reason. So let me use my words and tell my teacher, hey, I understand that right now I'm being disruptive. I'm not trying to be, but can I go to this buddy classroom so that I can calm down? And that gives them empowerment yep. on self-regulation, right? And it gives right. them the language. Because a lot of times when they're upset and they're throwing stuff in the hallway and doing things that you're like, what's wrong? Because, you know, that's our go-to. Yep. What's wrong with you? Yep. Yep. Instead Ooh, of like, yes. what happened to you? You mm-hmm. know, yep. being that trauma-informed educator and asking what happened to you, we're like, what's wrong with you? You know, and and instead of that, just giving them that time, because a lot of times they do not answer you, especially if they're high. They're not going to answer you because they don't have language, right? Language is falling away. They don't have that. And so giving them the vocabulary, mm-hmm. not only for like what what's going on, but for what they're feeling, like those body sensations, I feel helps them to to be able to self-regulate. Right. right. And then it empowers the teachers because now, OK, listen, you have got to know your students. Mm-hmm. And I think that's tough. Getting teachers to understand you can't just teach them and let them leave your classroom without building that that relationship with them yeah. and getting to know them. Because when you get to know them, when you talk to them, when you build these uh, relationships with them, they'll start telling you stuff. They sure you know, will. Our students will tell it all. And I used to tell the parents, like, listen, I know all your business. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, yeah. Do it in front of them because they come to school and they don't think that they're telling on their parents, right? They're just sharing with a person that they have a strong relationship with their teacher mm-hmm. what's going on in their life and what they've experienced over the mm-hmm. weekend and at home. Yeah. And so <laughs> when they do that, parents have to understand that like our teachers have to understand that when you build these relationships with these students, you start to understand what's going on in the background mm-hmm. at home. And you can use that information to be able to deal with them in a real way yeah. to where it's helping them to build this resilience that yeah. we talked about. Yeah. You, you, you know, Dr. Smith, two things that I'm I'm really trying to work on. And I wish I had learned this when I was an educator in the classroom, but I'm learning as a counselor is that two things, people are bringing you their best. Yes. They really are. And and I'm learning that even with kids because sometimes I take that counselor hat off and I put that teacher hat <laughs> on and I get upset. I'm like, wait a minute. They're really bringing you their best. And I think yes. learning that helps us to kind of say, well, wait a minute. It, bring, it, takes, it keeps me in a position to help instead of fighting against. I also go to, once again, the thinking. If if I can understand why this child why why this child is thinking the way they are, 
I can understand why they're doing what they're doing. Now, I may not agree mm. with it, but it gives me context yes. on why they do what they do. It's just okay. like me. Like, I may not, like, when I think about my marriage and stuff, I do stuff that makes sense to me. You know mm. what I mean? But then when I realize, like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm thinking my thinking makes sense. But then when I look at the big picture, it doesn't really make sense. But flip that with the student or someone mm. else. It's kind of like, ah, now I see why you do what you do. This is your mm-hmm. experience. This is your life. This is your world. So that puts us once again on a common ground to where I'm not like, oh, you're doing this because you're mm-hmm. just trying to be disrupt. You're doing this because you're disrespectful. No, you're doing this because this is just what you know. You know what I mean? Right. I saw a quote on social media a couple of weeks ago that said the behavior that you claim is disruptive and disrespectful in your classroom by your students is what help them to survive in their everyday life. Mm, That's right. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like if educators would understand that, just that simple point is like, you are not coming here specifically to be disruptive. You're trying to survive, but I have to let you know that you are in a space where you don't have to do that. You know, I've created this safe space for you to where you can let your guard down and you don't have to feel like you're always in survival brain. Because mm-hmm. when students are in their survival brain, they're not able to think. They're not able to process That's checks true. and analyze text. They're not able to, you know, compute for math or any of those things. They're not able to do any of those academic uh, skills if they're always in a survival brain. And so right. our job as educators and even parents and, and school counselors is to make sure we provide this environment for them yeah. that allows them to to leave that survival brain and to, to operate in that thinking brain because that's when student outcomes happen, right? Mm-hmm. That's when students find their own level of success. That's when targets are met, you know, and all of these goals are set. But how do we get as a staff, right? As a school counselor, how do you collaborate with teachers, with with administrators, with parents and other school staff to create this supportive and resilient resilience friendly environment in schools? Yeah, it's it's it really is tough, but it's really taken. Um, I'm talking collectively as a whole, like doing professional developments. Mm-hmm. You know, we we you know we're given certain ones to do, and they all don't fit on resilience. Some of them do, but just taking those moments like what I shared with you is, is telling them they're bringing you the best, you know, just telling them, you know, Hey, keep this in mind. I know it's tough, you know, recognize, cause I've been there before. I never, I haven't forgot what it's like to be in a classroom, mm-hmm. but just taking those, those, those moments that I have professional development and stuff and just sharing with them the value of, of meeting, meeting students where they are. And then even one-on-one. And I, and I, there's, there's certain teachers that I've met, you know, that uh, they'll get a child in front of me and they're this, da, 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 da. There's many different, well, not many different, but there's a couple of reasons why that makes it bad for me. But but more importantly, it's bad for the child. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And it's kind of taking those moments, like talking talk to you and say, hey, you know, maybe this might be a better approach or something, or, you know, try this. And, and sometimes it does and it doesn't work, but just uh, taking those moments to advocate for the child and say, hey, Maybe there's something going on. And even when they don't get it, I'll just go to them and say, hey, can you can you not expect them to have homework for the next couple of days? You know, I don't tell them why, you know, their dad just came in and beat their mom up and was just arrested. They're not thinking about homework and stuff right now. So just kind of ease off on that. You know, I try to advocate for the child as well um, when the teacher just doesn't understand. So um, it makes sense. Mm hmm. 
So it's clear that proactive efforts can go a long way in helping students to develop resilience, right? We've talked about that. But before we wrap up, could you share some practical tips or strategies that our listeners, whether they're educators or parents or just caregivers, can implement right away to support resilience in students? Yeah, I, I say I say five big ones that I that I do uh, with even with my students and with parents. I say first of all, make connections. I mean, look at the students' connections. Once again, like I start out with the relationships. I try to make sure that I connect them to meaningful relationships. So if they're not getting along with their parent, then what teacher here at the school can be someone that can teach you resilience or that you can connect with, you know? Mm-hmm. Or maybe in, in some cases, it could be a friend. So looking at connections and, and pointing them to the right direction, and but then also to making sure that I'm one as much as possible. I connect with most of my kids, not all of them, but for most of them, I make sure that I'm someone that they can go to and that they can have a safe place to come talk to me or, or get advice from. So I say definitely look at connections, be a connection and point them to other connections because they need meaningful relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really big on self-care. I, I teach my kids, even, even my little, little ones. Like today we had guidance lesson. I said, you know what? We're going to do a guided meditation. We're on, mm-hmm. on, uh, the lesson was on self-esteem. Um, it's on su- suicide prevention. So we're going to focus on self-esteem. So when you don't feel good about yourself, these are some things you could do. We sat on the floor. We got comfortable. So walking through them, self-care, like meditating, uh, taking time for themselves to draw, to color, to, to practice the things that they're good at. So build themselves up. And I tell them too, when you're practicing these things, don't wait for bad times to happen. Mm. Practice every day. You know what I'm saying? 10 minutes in the morning when you wake up or 10 minutes when you go to bed. So that way you build up your strength. So that way when trauma or stress comes, you'll be you'll have the resistance to be able to deal with it. So I say, so yeah, so relationships, teaching them self-care, teaching them how to accept change. Change is a part of life, you know, and sometimes for them, changes are big. Like in the, the community where I am, their parents aren't always there. You know, they're in a different country. I, I live in a community where kids coming from all over South America. That's transitions because some of them have walked from their country. I'm talking like days, months to get to Texas. And so change is, is a part of life. Now, that's a that's a tough change. But uh, you know what I'm saying? But, but it's a part of life is transition. You don't have all your parents here. You're missing your, your grandma, your grandpa, your mom, your dad or whatever. But that's just a part of life. So how do we deal with that? So teach them how to deal with change and keep keeping uh, a hopeful perspective is one. I think always try to give students hope, you know, and I don't mean that in a way like a false hope so that they feel good. But when they come with certain perspectives is simply saying like, these are still some possibilities. It's not all going to end this way. You're not always going to be this way, but but you can make certain decisions and, and change your situation around. And I think the, the one of the last things that I do is really truly try to promote uh, a healthy self-perception. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you come from, who your parents are. You are okay. You know, you're you're a, you're a unique person. You're a valuable person. You know, you be you. That was that was our lesson today, too. And I, I, I do that through a lot of my lessons is that you are OK where you are and you build on what you have. You know, who you are you make yourself better. And if you're not where you want to be, continue to practice to 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 be the person that you want to be. 
So I think those are just some some small, simple things. And I try to do this to parents too. Like if I'm doing a student one-on-one or groups, I try to share that with the parents. Say, hey, this is what we're working on. These are some things that y'all could do before you go to bed when you wake up in the morning to kind of help. Awesome. So, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much, David Jones, for sharing these valuable insights. And with that, I will leave you with the Through the Eyes of Trauma takeaways. Building resilience in students is a vital aspect of supporting their overall well-being. So number one, foster positive relationships, encourage open communication and provide a safe space for students to share their feelings. Number two, teach coping skills. Teach students various coping mechanisms such as mindfulness, journaling, or creative outlets to manage stress and emotions. Number three, promote growth mindset, which means encouraging them to have a mindset of resilience by emphasizing the importance of learning from setbacks and believing in their ability to overcome these challenges. And number four, heal first, educate always. Thank you so much, Mr. Jones, for being a a guest on our podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, And if you or your campus is looking for trauma-informed professional development, please visit us at innerearagency.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-E-A-R-A-G-E-N-C-Y.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you again, Mr. Jones. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you next week.